The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the future of cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in the automotive industry and its supporting ecosystem and help them move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Indeed, here she is. Welcome, 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 welcome. Ah, if you know my, the maddest of my method, you'll know there were four people on the panel today. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. Today's buzz, we're all connected. Let me get started. Collaboration. It's not a new concept for automotive sector suppliers. They have to collaborate. They have to talk to each other. But things are changing, to quote Bob Dylan, the times they are a-changing. With digital real-time computing, radically changing how auto suppliers operate and make their products. In order to be and stay a top supplier, what do you need? You have to create connected content for the connected vehicle. Aha, there's a buzz idea. Connected vehicle in real-time collaboration with your value chain. That extends to customers, tier suppliers, tech partners, and others. That's a tall order if you're not prepared and you don't get it. The automotive industry converged with tech. Delphi, Bosch, and other suppliers at CES proved that right. So we have a big question on the table. Will car experts be the ones to drive the digitization of the industry, or are we looking at or for a new crop of technocrats who are going to take that wheel and drive the automotive industry forward? A lot to talk about. I've mentioned connected. I've mentioned radically changing. I've mentioned value chain. I've mentioned digitization. I've mentioned suppliers, technocrats. We have a lot of terms we need to define, and that's why we have a panel of four, because we have so much to talk about. So first up, I'm very pleased to welcome Rick Varner, V-A-R-N-E-R. He's the principal of Varco, V-A-R-C-O Solutions, a business of technology performance and transformation advisory firm. And Rick has sent me a quote from John Calvin Maxwell. All I can tell you is anytime you see John Calvin Maxwell mentioned on Twitter or anywhere on the web, it always has parentheses, born 1947. So we know he's kind of a young one in, in terms of people who get quoted. He's an American author, speaker, and a pastor who has written many books focused on leadership. You might recognize this title, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, and this one, The 21 Indispensable Qualities of of a leader becoming the person others will want to follow. He's made the New York Times bestseller list. Millions of millions and millions of books have been sold. So here's the quote Rick has selected from, I, I don't know if he's pastor or minister Calvin, but here it is, Mr. Maxwell. Change is inevitable. Growth is optional. Rick Varner, so pleased to have you on the show. How are you today, Rick? Bonnie, I'm great. It's a pleasure to be here. 
Thank you. Interesting quote. I learned so much by looking up John Calvin Maxwell. And uh, are you a follower of his? I know he's a leadership expert, a speaker, and an author. He's led churches for many, many years in Indiana, Ohio, California, Florida. Are you a follower, uh, religious or other, leadership-wise? Or talk to me. How did you come across this quote? Well, I, excuse me, Bonnie. John Maxwell is uh, actually quite well known for his leadership writings, and in that capacity, I'm a follower. Uh, anything mm-hmm. to do with leadership is an area that I uh, try to pursue, and I found many of his writings to be very uh, motivational. So tell me about this quote, change is inevitable, growth is optional. How does that apply to what we're talking about today, Rick? We're talking about automotive, we're talking about suppliers, we're talking about the connected supplier. That's our focus. So what would Mr. Maxwell say about this? You know, I was thinking about uh, our topic for today and some of the things I'd heard or read from John Maxwell. If you think about the auto industry, we've undergone a tremendous amount of change just in the last 10 years. Some very, very significant Chapter 11 restructures. We've had some major capacity adjustments across all the players in each of the operating regions. We've had some major trade deals that certainly have affected uh, our U.S. economy. And, of Mm -hmm. course, uh, not the least of which, we've had some very tremendous changes in our digital tools and and really the digital business models that those tools are providing. So it's an exciting area to get into. What I would note is that while everyone acknowledges all these macro-level changes are occurring, each organization in the auto sector is really making a choice each day on how quickly they respond to these changes and if they themselves will either adapt them or let them go by. So as far as John John Maxwell goes, in my view, I think now is a time for strong, forward-looking leadership in the auto sector to take a look at these changes and embrace them and make the best of them as we can. Thank you, Rick. Very, very well put, and I think this is a, a mantra for life for all of us dealing with the digital world, the connected economy, the sharing economy, so many changes. I don't think anybody on this panel is a millennial. I hope I'm not offending anybody, but from your pictures and knowing all of you as I do, I think we're all pretty grown up here. And so we are dealing with things we never expected, never anticipated. So I love the quote, Rick, because it applies to life. Change is inevitable. Well, we're living in it, through it, and by it right now. Growth is optional. I think that's true for us in our everyday lives. Would you agree with that, Rick Varner? Absolutely. You know, we make our choices every day. Do I want to change or do I want to stay the same? And we just have to make the best choice we can. We certainly do. Thank you very much. And interestingly, your quote is a great segue to the quote from our next panelist. And he's a returning panelist. Haven't talked to him in a long time. So pleased to welcome back Jeff Hoylo. And those of you wondering how that's spelled, I'll tell you, H-O-J-L-O. He's a program director, product innovation, and he leads IDC Manufacturing Insights Research and Analysis of the PLM Market. And Jeff has sent me a quote from Winston Churchill. We hear this often, but it is so is so uh, astute for this topic and such a perfect follow-on from the quote Rick Varner just shared from John Maxwell. The quote is, to improve is to change. To be perfect is to change often. I'm not going to go into a big to-do about Winston Churchill. Everybody knows who he is. So, Jeff Hoylo, welcome back. How are you, Jeff? Thanks, Bonnie. I'm doing well, thanks, and I hope you're doing okay this morning as well. 
I sure am. Happy to have you here. Just interesting. Somehow the, the quotes sometimes from panelists, Jeff, just, just go into the same theme, and they're wonderful. And we don't all sit down around a table in case the listeners are wondering, saying, okay, let's put 10 interesting quotes on the table that could apply to automotive and suppliers and digitization and connected co- economy. Jeff, you take this quote, and, and uh, Rick, you take this one, et cetera, et cetera. This is all brought to us independently. So I'm, I'm always delighted when we have some, some almost a logical flow here. So, Jeff, are you a big fan of Winston Churchill? And talk to me. Improve is to change. To be perfect is to change often. Will automotive ever get it perfect, Jeff? Sure. I think, you know, I think Winston Churchill is one of the great leaders of the past century, obviously, and uh, beyond. And uh, I think, of course, uh, you know, not many people are not big fans of his. So, you mm-hmm. know, this, this quote, uh, you know, I looked at Rick's quote uh, a couple of days ago, uh, to be honest with you. I hadn't read it until, until then and realized we, we had uh, this change theme. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, the, the reason for that, obviously, is just the, the massive change in, and digital transformation that's going on with manufacturers really now. Industry and automotive, I think, is at the, the forefront of that, uh, and it, it, that transformation is really extending outward beyond their four walls uh, into their value chain, into the people they work with, into their, their external uh, product development teams and, and beyond. Um, I mean, this quote really, uh, it resonated with me personally as well as professionally. You know, personally, mm-hmm. I just, you know, I think, I think we all strive to be better uh, every day as, as, uh, as much as we can, intellectually, physically, whatever, whatever it takes, uh, and, and try, to, uh, try to impart that, uh, that approach, obviously, to our, to our children as well. Um, that's just the reality of life. You need to change. Uh, you know, the reality of today is that uh, change is in uh, hyper mode right now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, new structures, new approaches, new ways of collaborating uh, need to be in place so that you can quickly, dynamically respond to that change uh, and meet uh, complex customer demand, uh, meet changing market conditions, um, meet uh, technological uh, innovation requests that you might get from your customers, right? And you know, to do that, you really need a, a, much, broader, uh, a much broader approach to, uh, to how you collaborate uh, and innovate. Thank you very much, Jeff. As I'm, I'm looking at your quote, I'm realizing that it's almost the flip side of the one that Rick change, told us. Uh, change is inevitable. In this case, we're saying to improve is to change. In other words, go out and make the change. You be the agent of change. You make yep. the decisions to change. So they complement each other beautifully. And by the way, I don't know if you know this, Jeff, but not only was Winston Churchill a recipient of the Nobel Prize in Literature, did you know he was the first person to be made an honorary citizen of the United States? You know, I did not know that, Bonnie. There you <laughs> that go. Is interesting. I'm not, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised either. It so happens that his mother, Jenny Jerome, was an American socialite. We'll just leave the history of the Churchills to those who want to go look it up, as I did. Thank you, Jeff. So pleased to have you back on the show. And now let's welcome our next panelist. He is Bill Newman. William, but he lets us call him Bill. Uh, everybody's talking about him being an author, and I talk about him being a senior industry value advisor with SAP America. And I met Bill years ago, early in the days of Game Changers Radio, when he came to us as the leader of his own consulting firm, Newport Consulting Group. And I remember back in the day, Bill was sharing some very delicious recipes for some kind of Irish cream at Christmas time, some something wonderful that goes down very easily. Bill Newman is back today. And 
And he has sent me a quote from the beloved UCLA coach, John Wooden. By the way, there is a handle on Twitter, Daily Wooden, because so many people are quoting John Wooden that it's happening every day. He won the Sports Illustrated Sports Person of the Year, has a lot of interesting quotes, and he was nicknamed the Wizard of Westwood. He won 10 NCAA national championships in a 12-year period, including a record seven in a row. He was a champion. And he passed, interestingly enough, I don't know if Bill knows this, I I think that John would live to be 100 because he was born in 1910 and he passed away in 2010. Here's the quote. This is a great one. Be quick, but don't hurry. Bill Newman, welcome back. How are you? Bonnie, it's great. Thanks for having me back. It's good to talk to you again. Uh, ditto, ditto, ditto. So tell me, you're a big fan of John Wooden. Did you know he lived to be 100? Yeah, I did. Actually, he and my grandfather were born in the same year and uh, they <sighs> both became centenarian so it was uh, it was pretty exciting and um, um, for those who may be familiar with my background I'm also a lifelong member of the UCLA Alumni Association go Bruins so I was happy to invoke <laughs> coach today yes 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 so tell me be quick don't but don't hurry what are we talking about how does this relate to our topic of automotive and the connective supplier bill well you know, when, you, when Coach would work with his players, he wanted everybody to be very precise, but he didn't want them to rush through their moves. He wanted everybody to execute very flawlessly and very quickly, uh, but he didn't want anybody to do it, you know, happen chance or, or again, make, you know, uncritical uh, human error. And I really think that's where the automotive suppliers are at now. Uh, we're looking at a convergence of a number of industries. You know, we're going to talk about tech, but let's talk about just transportation, even as the connected vehicle becomes more and more like uh, light rail, where you can multitask and go hands off the wheel in terms of some mm -hmm. of these future models. Suppliers have to figure out how to connect into multiple different established supply chains, and they're going to have to do this very, very fast. They're going to be winners. And there are going to be losers based on the bets that are made over the next probably five to ten years when the industry becomes a very, very different animal. So be quick, but don't hurry. Make your bets. Make them right. Execute flawlessly. Thank you. Bill, interesting. You said next five to ten years. That's a very short window. That's not I, far I think into we're the future. In, I think getting to some of what Jeff was mentioning earlier, yeah. I think we're going to move at – a logarithmic curve in terms of change, particularly with the um, the automakers and where they're taking their product. It's just a new horizon. You know, we've talked about it on some of the earlier episodes of this series, and I mm -hmm. think that it's just going to put more and more pressure on suppliers to really reevaluate their business models. Thank you very much, Bill. Pleasure to have you back. Interesting story about uh, Wooden, and I can hear when you, you just call him Coach, and I can see, hear some, some UCLA love going out there. So thank you very much. And rounding out our panel today is a surprise guest. It's the sponsor of this series. He just seems to always show up because he's just calls himself always a car guy. It's Larry Stoley, S-T-O-L-L-E. He's the Senior Global Director of Automotive Marketing at SAP. And Larry has selected what he considers to be a very long quote, I think it's interesting, from Bill Gates. And by the way, as of last year, let's see, Forbes calculates Bill Gates' net worth at, I'm not going to make the panel guess, $79.2 billion U.S. dollars. Okay, we'll just let that sit there. Here's the quote, software innovation, like almost every other kind of innovation, 
requires the ability to collaborate and share ideas with other people and to sit down and talk with customers and get their feedback and understand their needs. That's a mouthful. Larry Stoley, welcome back to your show. How are you, Larry? I am well and glad to be here. Thank you, Bonnie. Well, thank you for joining us. Tell me, I'm sure you're a big big Bill Gates fan. What would Bill say if he knew you were applying this quote to our topic on the birth of the connected supplier regarding the automotive industry, Larry? Well, that's a very good question because Bill's politics and mine differ greatly from time to time. But make no mistake, the impact he's had on the world in our lives is um, more than I think anyone can, can explain. So in, in that, I'm, I stand in awe. But, you know, in, in the quote here, it, there are four points that, that come out in this quote to me. Some are direct and some are implied. And from a direct perspective, collaboration, how we work together uh, as suppliers in the automotive industry, how we work together to create the products that customers want, this is logical. It makes sense. It's obvious. It, it jumps out and hits you like this is the way it is. Make no mistake about it. The other thing that stands out in this quote is the first word, software. Software is cars. Mm -hmm. It's been said that 80% or more of the innovation in vehicles is in the software area, the controllers and how we do things, how we use software to control the operations of a car. Absolutely, absolutely jumps out at you. The other thing that's implied here that, that gets to me is collaboration. That implies that we've figured out this little thing called intellectual property. How suppliers work together requires that they understand and have resolved the long-term issues of who owns IP rights. So we're dancing around, we're dancing with each other, so the intellectual property uh, discussion is one that this quote implies has to be or will be resolved. The other thing I want to make about this quote is, and kind of goes back to um, the wooden quote from Bill, mm-hmm. you know, we have to be um, slow in what we do. And two points I want to make about slow. Slow is smooth. That's good interaction between the collaboration teams. Slow is smooth. The next point I want to make is smooth is fast. Because we've been slow, because we're smooth, we then have the opportunity to become fast in the way we innovate without hiccups, without glitches, without conflict. So in Bill's quote, I see all four of those things, either directly expressed or implied. Wow. I think we have some Larry Stoley quotable moments in there, slow and smooth and collaborative. I'm tweeting my tootsies off here trying to capture all this. Very interesting, Larry. I think you could, maybe you'll get the privilege of quoting yourself one of these days on one of these shows. <laughs> you know that breaks the rules, but this is pretty good stuff. Thank you, Larry. Uh, it's time for me to circle back to Rick Varner and ask you two questions. Rick, where are you calling from today? And what's in your cup? This is the segment of the show called What's in Your Cup Today? So we'd like to know a little bit about what are you drinking right now, or what are you planning to drink after the show? Rick Varner, talk to me. Hey, Bonnie. I'm actually sitting here in Southfield, Michigan, uh, obviously the home of many of our automotive activities. And, uh, yeah, speaking of change, uh, what's in my cup? You know, summer is just right around the corner, and my wife keeps teasing me. She'd love to see my washboard abs. And uh, i got to <laughs> tell you, although I keep, I keep preparing her for disappointment, 
Uh, today I'm skipping the donuts, and I've got a protein drink in my cup. I'm doing my best, but I could use all the well wishes I can get. Wishing you well, wishing you well, wishing you well. That's the best I can do. All right, everybody, we're going to call the show off very early. We're all going to go stand there and make Rick start to exercise and lift those weights. It's washboard ab time. Thank you for your candor. Rick, you know it's just you and me and and the other three guys on the line and that's it nobody else heard you say that so your secret is your secret is safe with us we won't tell a soul let's move to jeff oilo jeff where are you calling from and what is what's in your cup sure hi i'm uh, calling from uh, framingham massachusetts about 20 miles Mm -hmm. west of boston and the idc office is here and uh yeah, what's in my cup right now? I am drinking a uh, lovely Red Barn uh, coffee dark roast. Uh, Red Barn is a uh, small little coffee shop. If you're familiar with uh, the area here, they have a few locations, but uh, really good coffee there. Uh, later on, I'm, I'm planning to drink one of my uh, one of my home brews. In the last couple of years, I've gotten a little bit into uh, brewing beer, and uh, one of my favorites is uh, a, a Dunkelweizen that uh, that I have now, or, or dark wheat to translate that. So uh, I, I'm certainly looking forward to the end of the day as well, um, as well as this conversation, of course. Well, my goodness. And can you repeat for me the name of that brew you were talking about? Is there? Can you spell that? Sure. It's uh, Dunkel Weizen. So, yeah, Dunkel Dark, and then Weizen is, is wheat. So it's uh, kind of a light, dark beer. Very smooth. Yeah. Interesting. Smooth. All right. I'm going to see if I can get away with that on Twitter. Thank you very much. We have the word smooth in our last two two tweets, one from Larry and one from you, one from beer and one from how the automotive industry should proceed. Thank you very much, Jeff. And let's turn to Bill Newman. Bill, where are you right now and what are you drinking, please? Well, um, right now I'm in Southern California, probably triangulated between where Faraday Technologies and where Karma Automotive are building their new plants, their new digital plants. Um, so it's, uh, it's obviously a, a pretty big time and just illustrative of the shift, the trend the industry is going through. Uh, I'm boring today. I'm just drinking Starbucks with my half and half. But for those uh, listeners who would like to learn a little bit more about how to make their own Irish cream, they can go to uh, my blog at theviewfromclevel.wordpress.com or Google William Newman Irish Cream, and you'll probably see all of Bonnie's really awesome comments on the recipe because I know you've tried it before, Bonnie. So I'm looking Bill forward Newman. to the weekend, too, with Jeff. So there we go. Bill Newman, you and the word boring never go together in the same sentence or paragraph or book or blog. So don't even try to talk us into that. I just am not buying it. Thank you, Bill Newman. And by the way, Jeff Hoylo, I did Google Dunkel Weizen and I found it. D-U-N-K-E-L-W-E-I-Z-E-N, all one word. And it's on the Beer Advocate and all kinds of other websites. So I'm putting that out on Twitter. There you go. And Larry Stoley, where are you and what are you drinking? I am in my home office, happy to be here uh, near Flint, Michigan, in the wonderful city of Grand Blanc. I'm surrounded by golf courses and cemeteries, so I'm in the middle of the car com- car business, but uh, surrounded by golf courses and cemeteries. And as you know, Bonnie, I drink plain old Folgers. This is a breakfast blend, and if you heard a gulp uh, just a second ago, that was me sipping from that my was cup. You. <laughs> 
Oh, there's an old joke about that I'm simply not going to say on air. Thank you very much, Larry. We have a very interesting panel, very lively here. Rick Varner at Varco Solutions. We have Jeff Hoylow at IDC Insights, Bill Newman and Larry Stoley at SAP, SAP Industries. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I'm drinking the usual cool, clear Brita filtered water today, a kind of a pinky orange straw because it rained yesterday here on Long Island and a lot of wind overnight and the sun is out and I, the orange is the best I can do to simulate sunshine. So there, that's the way it is. We're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we're going to dive and delve even deeper. Oh, I like that. A couple of alliterative words in there. Our topic today is the future of cars, the birth of the connected supplier. We've already shared a few insights from our panelists and we're going to go much deeper into the topic. You don't even want to think about touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Justin out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. SAP is excited to be a co-innovator with the automotive industry as we help automotive and related companies digitally transform their entire industry and disrupt their existing business models. The Future of Cars with Game Changers brings you insights from the people in the driver's seat who are making this happen. We'll delve into industry challenges and solutions that support ecosystem industries, all to help you succeed in transforming your business and business networks for success in the new digital networked age. Tune in to the Business Channel to hear today's top technology and business strategy thought leaders share expert insights on how the automotive industry is shaping the future of change for all of us. You're listening to The Future of Cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to The Future of Cars with Game Changers. Welcome back. And our topic today on the future of cars with Game Changers is the birth of the connected supplier. No, we're not sending out birth announcements, pink or blue, I don't know. But we're talking to four industry experts who certainly know their stuff. We're going to start the roundtable with Rick Varner, the principal at Varco Solutions. But Rick, before I introduce what we're going to talk about first, I noticed something in your bio that has to be discussed. It says that you are an experimental aviation enthusiast. Please tell me you're not putting on some little water wings and jumping off a cliff with those. What does experimental aviation enthusiast mean? Please, Rick. Thank you, Bonnie. Yes, actually, I grew up on an airport in uh, Minnesota, and my father has been an inventor all his life, and I've had the pleasure of helping him uh, design and build a variety of experimental airplanes, and so I'm his official test pilot, and um, yeah, I saw real flying airplanes, and that's my passion. 
Wow, very interesting. Well, be safe. That's all I ask. Please, at least till the end of the show. Here's the topic we're going to start with, Rick. It's a long one. Let me read this opening line from your notes, and then you'll run with it, and we'll invite everybody else to chime in. You say, with increasing levels of embedded and system-integrated soft product, and you'll tell us what that is, from multiple suppliers, the automotive industry is ready for the increased complexity and security challenges raised by configurable products, connected services, hackable systems, and presumed PNP use cases. This is all Greek to me. Rick, why don't you decipher this briefly? Take about two minutes, and then we're going to invite Jeff and Bill and Larry to comment. So go ahead, Rick. Yeah, no problem, Bonnie. Thank you. Uh, you know, as Jeff, as Larry actually mentioned in the opening remarks, cars are more and more content with, contented with software or soft product, you know, various the way the, uh, the engine operates, the control system of the car, the radio, et cetera. And many of these components of these capabilities come from a variety of different suppliers. And so they are presumed to be plug-and-play ready uh, as either optional features to the car or as integrated components to the car. Now, I'm, I'm an IT guy, right? So I'm traditional back office IT and all the normal things that you go through. But what we're really talking about is, is IT content that is consumer-facing, and part of the product that ultimately is purchased. Mm-hmm. And the challenge here that has emerged is with more and more software or soft product in the car, we have to up our game with regard to how production-hardened those capabilities are to, to avoid things like being hacked. Now, can you imagine driving down the road and somebody hacks into your car and takes over your car? And there's oh, been a God. number of articles in, in that regard. And so, you know, the premise here is, is the industry ready? And, and my belief is yes. I believe the industry is ready to take on these challenges. What I have observed is that progressive organizations, specifically the engineering portions of those organizations, have proactively reached out and are working very closely with IT in terms of modern cybersecurity controls, encryption, you know, uh, rigorous testing of not only from the functional side of the product in terms of what it's supposed to do, but production hardening those capabilities so that uh, external agents can't come in and disrupt or cause problems to how those products are intended to operate. So what I would note is that while the focus is certainly on more and more soft content, the notion of the potential of getting hacked or disruptive forces is acknowledged and progressive organizations are embracing that threat appropriately. Thank you very much, Rick. Good intro to this part of the topic. Jeff Hoylo at IDC Manufacturing Insights. What are your thoughts, Jeff, please? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the security issue will always be an issue, even uh, even more so uh, in the age of uh, the Internet of Things and connected products now. Um, you know, I think the technology advancements have been quite good um, in general, and frankly, whether you talk about an on-premise system or a connected product or one in the cloud, um, between strong authentication advancements and threat detection technologies, I think, I think in a lot of ways, uh, you know, there's, there's all, there are always going to be black hats out there that pose a threat to the connected product that we're talking about, whether it's home, car, health and fitness, you know, whatever, you know, you think of, you know, you mentioned CES at the beginning. Uh, there are a lot of different connected product examples out there. Um, I think 
the biggest challenge is uh, around the services component of it is keeping up with the threats that are out there uh, and constantly updating the technology uh, as necessary. And I guess the question is, can you know, can an OEM, uh, whether it's an auto OEM or you can broaden the discussion outside of automotive, um, can their IT department keep up with uh, the threats that are out there and, and constantly update that security technology so that the, the best is in place? Um, or does it make more sense to outsource that uh, and maybe that's where suppliers could come in and help? Or maybe that's service providers. Um, uh, not sure, but it really becomes just a, an ability to deal with that. Uh, again, back to the change discussion, right? Um, so I, I think that's a big component of this as well. Thank you very much. Bill Newman, let's get your POV on this, please. Well, I think I think Rick brought up a really good point. Security issues have been around, and the more we go digital, the more the security issues need to be addressed. I mean, you, you look at... Uh, Jeep actually, they they had a planned hack of their vehicle years ago. I mean, it was mm-hmm. it was by design just to see how uh, penetrable their security onboard security was. And and even if you just take a step back, uh, several you know to the last decade, Vice President Cheney had his Bluetooth monitor on his pacemaker disabled because you know there was a mm. personal threat that somebody might uh, want to harm the vice president. Um, I think, you know, as we move more into the update-in-your-driveway vehicle type of model, um, this will give us some opportunities to, to really be proactive. Uh, but then the question back to today's topic is how do suppliers respond to that? Um, you've got Delphi who wants to connect vehicle to everything. That was their big theme of, you know, computer electronics show in January. You've got Bosch that want to connect the driver to the car, to the house, to the refrigerator and appliances. So if you're going to create a platform to broker all that information, how do you make that secure? And how do you make it able to integrate and interoperate with all of the other platforms that also have to be secure? And I think that's, I think netting it out, that's really one of the big challenges that, that both auto and tech and a number of other cross-industries face right now. Thank you, Bill. Larry Stoley, thoughts, please. You know, this is this is really all about interoperability in the car. I mean, this is this is something that we've been talking about for quite a number of years. And you know, Rick is exactly right. Uh, I think car companies are ready to to take this challenge on. But keep in mind that the the vehicle today's car is nothing but an I/O bus, an input/output bus. And as we start connecting that vehicle externally to the to the internet, to the internet of things, to appliances, to the infrastructure of cities and so on and so forth, the challenges get significantly broader. If we were able to confine security and interoperability to within the vehicle itself, it'd be a small world. But the fact of the matter is we're open. We're broadly connected to the world now. So the challenges are much bigger. Um, you know, I, I do think that, you know, the automotive industry, the supplier industry has learned over the years. They've suffered a great deal of pain in this whole notion of interoperability and security, and I think they're well positioned. But I think uh, the hairs stand up just a bit on the back of my neck when I think about the broad spectrum that we're dealing with here, uh, connecting to the Internet of Things and across the, the universe of things. So. I, I have a great deal of respect for the industry. I also have a great deal of 
what about this in the back of my mind? So uh, I'm a little bit of a cynic. I, I think we have some challenges, but I think fundamentally we're way down the path of, of doing it right. That's very optimistic. I like that. That could almost be part of your prediction when we get to the crystal ball prediction <laughs> round, Larry. We love optimism. You know, Rick Varner, I'm going to shoot this back over to you. Any comments on what Jeff and Bill and Larry shared on your topic before we move on? You know, I just uh, certainly agree with all everyone here, but in particular what uh, Jeff noted around what he called the outsourcing, what I would tend to call strategic partnering. I think the, one of the keys to success here is that the suppliers within the automotive segment understand what is their core business. You know, are, they're in the business of design and manufacture of content. And just as equally, to, to have a clear vision of what it is that they are not in the business of. And when those things are identified, whether it's cybersecurity sophistication or you know, some of the deeper dive topics here that, that are involved in these, these design aspects, to partner effectively, to bring in the strategic partners that are good at what they do in that narrow band and to use this multi-partner environment to deliver the best solution that they can. Thank you very much. This is is Jeff. Can I jump in there just uh, one more Please do. Of course, Jeff. Um, Yes. You know, I think with with the, you know, Discussion of connected products, the Internet of Things, maybe more on the positive side. What you know, what's what's the benefit to all this uh, this uh, interoperability and connectedness, uh, or you know, high techization of products, if you want to call it that. Um, it's ultimately to enable a better customer experience, right? Everybody's talking about that. That's the end game. Mm-hmm. It's all about the customer experience. So you know, connected products by nature create a lot of data. Uh, the question is, where does that data go, and how do you act upon it, right? from a service standpoint to enable faster service when there's a quality issue or a failure mode in a product uh, to uh, also to enable better, better innovation perhaps, right? If a product's not performing as well as it should or there's an issue with it, you know, how do you use that information uh, to, to foster better, better innovation? So I think you know, the underlying opportunity there is around analytics. We haven't really talked about that. It's, it's how mm-hmm. do we... Um, how do we take advantage of that stream of, of information? And then secondly, you know, to, to Rick's point, what, what business are you going to be in? Who is the, the entity, what is the entity to, that is going to manage that information? Uh, is it a, a, you know, a partner, a strategic partner that, that, uh, that manages that information and uh, enables action upon it? Um, is it the OEM? Uh, I, I'm not sure. So I think, I think that's, that's a discussion point as well as to, you know, who sort of fills that, that need and that, uh, that gap right now. Thank you, Jeff. You read my mind. I was looking at your notes, and I was about to go to the topic that says the opportunity for analytics. And you go on in your notes to say it's faster service, tying performance and usage information back to the engineer and the designer at the OEM or the supplier for product improvement innovation. So you want to stick with that, or shall I pick something else for our next topic, Jeff? I'm going to leave it up to you. Yeah, that's that's fine. I mean, I can I can expand on that a little bit. Yeah, um, so, please do. You know, the... When we think of, of the connected car and where suppliers can help, I, I think of three use cases. You know, one is around um, you know vehicle health, right? Uh, automatic feedback of of any issues that, that come up. Drive, driving safety is another one, I guess. Feed of information on how a driver is you know is performing as a driver. Um, I suppose insurance companies would would love this, and I think there's a, been a little bit of discussion of of that. Maybe consumers wouldn't wouldn't like that so much. Um, 
But I think this, this capability is interesting, you know, when it comes to autonomous cars, um, because mm-hmm. there's going to be need to, uh, to understand, you know, when, when, there's, uh, when there's a crash, which car is at fault, right? Um, so to be able to track that information becomes a little bit, a driver's safety point becomes a little bit more um, of a need when you, you talk about autonomous cars. And, and then infotainment, um, you know, I, I think maybe that's not as big an opportunity as was projected a few years ago, because I think, you know, many customers just want the car to be a, a docking station for their smartphones, um, but I think still perhaps there's an opportunity there to, to understand when you know, a customer wants, is having an issue accessing the content that they need or there's an issue with the infotainment system, uh, how, do you, how do you rectify that quickly? So, so I think I'd, I'd put that, you know, the, the, you know, the, the need for analytics around those, those three use cases. Thank you very much. Let me move to Bill Newman and get your POV on this. Bill? Well, I think analytics brings up really two great opportunities for suppliers. So the first one is following in the footsteps of the OEMs and the brand automakers. So as as I'm providing more functions and services that are going to be subscription-based, whether it's I'm using the car on a ride-sharing business model or I'm going to use satellite radio, or I'm going to use certain features, I think in the future we'll be able to a la carte and menu select, um, much like we would do a trim package or a powertrain uh, today, what we actually want in the car. And just as a classic example, you can pick whatever digital platform for your infotainment you might like, and it'll render whether it's Apple CarPlay or the Google um, Auto uh, version. You can bring that up in your car today. And, and so you do have some customization, and those are going to be service-driven. The other interesting opportunity, I think, for suppliers around this is just like we're going to have cars that can update themselves in the parking lot, so you don't have to go into the service bay. You can just do it digitally overnight or wherever or real-time when the car's not operating and it's in receive mode. I think there's real opportunity for suppliers to be able to create new products and without having to ship a new component actually change the firmware software digitally on the platform that they're developing and then, you know, incrementally charge more to the automakers and then again to the uh, the driver consumers for that uh, for that uh, capability. Um, hardware notwithstanding, um, auto assist front braking is a classic example. Yeah, there's some additional firmware that was needed, but that's mostly a software fix. You're not going to do a lot of changes to the actual electromechanical dimensions of the car and the braking system. So there's, there's an incremental service add feature that, uh, that a driver can have. That's all being run on analytics. It's up both on the board and behind, um, um, you know, behind the, uh, the curtain, if you will, for the automakers in terms of what you have on the car, how you use it, and how it gets updated. Thank you, Bill Newman. Larry Stoley, love for your point of view, please. One of the, the interesting things about connected vehicles is the ability to capture sensor data and apply analytics to that data. And yes, there are two faces to a connected vehicle. Face number one is the customer experience. Absolutely. Analytics can help enhance that by offering services, predicting things the customers may want, and so on and so forth. I absolutely get it. But there's, there's, a, there's an elephant in the room. The elephant in the room is analytics as it applies to vehicle operation. And as we start taking that sensor data from vehicles in operation, we start to be able to apply that to product engineering. Uh, how can we learn from what's happening with the vehicle to make our products better? 
How can we learn from our vehicles in operation to make them safer and so on? That's the real elephant in the room, and that's the real value that really comes from connected vehicles, in my opinion, uh, in terms of analytics. Now, the, that begets the question, okay, so the sensor data is flowing from a car. Uh, it's flowing from a customer experience perspective. It's flowing from a vehicle operation perspective. Who gets the data and how do they share it is a key thing that I think we have to resolve. If the OEM gets all the data, do they share it uh, and be very forthright with their suppliers so they can all um, improve their products? Or do they use it selectively and punitively sometimes? I think that's one of the things that uh, we're going to have to evolve uh, our thinking about in, in, in the automotive industry. But analytics, yes. Thank you yeah, very I much. Think, um, this is, this yeah, is Jeff. Um, you know, just a point on on uh, around that on on quality. We had a, a survey last year called the uh, the Product and Service uh, Innovation uh, Market Survey, and one of the questions we asked was around cloud and you know uh, which you know product development processes and uh, and data do you do you want to surface in a cloud environment? Where, where, you know, what's what's right for you know moving that to a cloud environment? And top was uh, was quality actually, um, and I think part of the reason for that is uh, is that it makes it more the, that information that really important information obviously more accessible to the global team to the now now extended global team and value chain of the product development team, uh, so they can act on that quality information, any, any failure mode information, performance issues, uh, to not only kick off a service uh, request or, or uh, you know, any issue that needs to be dealt with, uh, but also, to Larry's point, uh, to utilize at the front end of innovation for future product development cycles. Um, now, I think, I think that, you know, does that mean there needs to be a separate analytic tool, a quality tool uh, that, that's, that's separate from a product development system? Right now, I think that's the reality of the way systems are set up, particularly around quality. I think ultimately what you'll see is that information around quality and analytics become more embedded within product innovation platforms, within extended PLM approaches. Um, already beginning to see that actually in a lot of, uh, a lot of platforms out there. Thank you, Jeff. Rick Varner, I want to get you in on this topic. Analytics, we're talking about all of the opportunities for suppliers and car makers. What do you see, Rick? Well, a couple of uh, good conversations so far. I'm going to just continue to build off what Jeff and Larry had introduced here around the future product innovation uh, feedback from the car, out in the field, from the sensor data. And, of course, uh, Jeff had talked about health feedback and sensors being able to give information around, you know, typical maintenance cycles, it's time to change the air filter, your brakes are getting a little thin, that kind of thing. We're already seeing some capabilities in that space. But to, to augment that now with meantime between failure type information that can be fed directly back in to the product engineering experience, probably through the PLM, that says, look, the component as designed is performing at this level of, of wear, predictability, fatigue, et cetera and to be able to influence that for next-gen uh, for cars is very exciting. Of course, we've had this in the software industry for quite some time. You know, you see that little thing you click on as a consumer. Are you willing to send feedback to the software manufacturer about the performance of this product? Of course, you, sometimes you say yes or no, but now we have the same opportunity here with the car, and as Larry points out, who gets that data is an in- interesting uh, point. Bonnie, I would just introduce one other quick add-on to the, to the analytics mm-hmm. topic, 
we've come a long way with the advent of big data, with faster computing capability, this whole notion of fuzzy logic, of cognitive or predictive analytics has taken us to a whole new realm uh, in an exciting area. I would note, though, if you dial us back to 1988, a classic kind of analytics-driven problem, or I guess disaster, a 1988 uh, Airbus crash when a pilot said, listen, I, I'm doing maneuvers in front of this Paris Air Show. I want to give my uh, jet full engine power because that's what I plan to do. And the computer said, no, no, I don't think so. I think I'm smarter than you, Mr. Pilot, and didn't hmm. provide the power to the jet engines. And of course, that plane mm. ultimately crashed. Mm. That was a very linear uh, analysis of cause and effect that the computer was, was performing. Nowadays, with modern analytics and modern uh, computing capabilities, we're able to add so much better sophistication to that conversation that uh, from the product engineering side of this thing, it's very exciting. Thank you very much, Rick. Appreciate that. And I'm looking at the clock. We have about three minutes until we go into our crystal ball predictions round. But, Bill Newman, I want to address one thing additional in your notes. I talked in my opening about what top global automotive suppliers are going to have to do to stay on top of their game. But what happens to the mid-range or, shall we say, the low-end suppliers? Bill, let me just read a comment from your notes here. You say, top global automotive suppliers will be bifurcated in the next decade as brands and OEMs further consolidate as projected by Roland Berger and IHS. But here's what I want to you talk about just briefly. You say the low-end suppliers will build volume to garner deep market share for simple components, while high-end suppliers will add the connected content services into the platform. So without naming names, what about these low-end suppliers? Are they still part of the ecosystem, Bill? Do they still need to be there? Will they still be of value? Will they still make profits? Any or all of the above? Yeah, so kind of the the, the squirmy way out is is that all of the above. But, I mean, the, the real net-net is, is that strategically a, a supplier is going to have to figure out where are they going to make their money from? And it's either going to be a commodity-driven type of venture, you know, like we have today. I mean, there are people who make parts, and they make a lot of parts, and, you know, a lot of electromechanical parts. But in order to grow, you're going to have to scale. And so what that means is is that the people in the, in the commodity-driven sector are going to need to buy each other up rapidly. Um, that's the only way they're going to keep their growth targets on in a... Um, in an increasingly competitive market niche. On the top end, um, and we're already seeing this with many of our suppliers, whether you're talking about tires or whether you're talking display panels as a classic example, um, the margins are just so much greater, um, orders of magnitude greater, um, to be able to provide those connected digital um, components and they're the ones that are going to grow both organically and inorganically, but they're going to grow faster. Now, maybe, you know, like, like Delphi is an example. Delphi is actually buying cable um, suppliers to that do the fiber optic cables so they can connect their parts. So you might see some of that collapsing in the marketplace where you actually have commodity suppliers being gobbled up by the platform makers. But in the supplier space, the platform makers are going to be the ones that drive growth in the future, particularly as brands, you know, as, as those studies you mentioned, uh, uh, the brands consolidate and uh, a lot of cost is taken out of the industry in the next 10 years. And, 
And that's why I think, you know, earlier when, when I think, Bonnie, you were saying, wow, that's really fast, it's, it's because there's just, there's just so much density in the marketplace today, and there's just so much change shifting from, you know, what a car looked like, I think, Rick, to your point, you know, five, ten years ago to what a car is probably going to look like in another five to ten years. Thank you, Bill. Guess what? We are already deep into our predictions round. I'm going to have to keep it very short and sweet with all of you. So, Rick Varner at Varco Solutions, you're up first. Rick, I love the year 2020. It still sounds really kind of cool to me, but it's almost here. How far in the future can you predict what will change about our topic? The birth of the connected supplier. Will that connected supplier be a toddler? Will that connected supplier be a teenager? Will that connected supplier be a NASCAR driver by the time we get to your point in the future? So, I'm going to give you uh, let's say 30 seconds, Rick Varner predictions, go. No problem, Bonnie. You know, I think we're going to see a huge explosion in this area over the next five years, uh, four, actually four years now, to count where we're at. We're going to see new business models emerge. We're going to see new content emerge. We're going to see uh, new uh, revenue generating capabilities emerge out of this, all based on the information that the connected car will help produce. So, um, you know, this along with what I would broadly call the product-as-a-service business model, which is, is informed by the connected car and the data that's generated from it. Uh, I think we're going to see some exciting changes in this area. And I guess, uh, you know, to kind of tie it back to the, the theme of change and growth here, I think those organizations that embrace and run hard with the changes that are coming in this industry are going to be the winners, and those that choose to sit on the sidelines are going to remain there. And we'll see what happens. Thank you very much. Great prediction. And let's quickly turn to Jeff Hoylo at IDC Manufacturing Insights. Jeff, I can give you about 45 seconds. Go ahead and predict for me. Okay, go. Um, so I think uh, I'll just go through these quickly here. Uh, you know, OEMs, largest OEMs and suppliers, I think, will be working together on a single cloud-based product innovation platform. I mentioned cloud a little bit. I think that uh, opportunity and need will continue to grow. Uh, one thing we haven't touched on is virtual reality and augmented reality. I think that mm-hmm. uh, that is going to be a, a great enhancement to a common modeling platform of collaboration between these OEMs and suppliers. Um, I think partnerships are going to going to grow more rapidly. We discussed, uh, you know, which um, suppliers need to choose and determine what business they're in, who they partner with. I think you know one partner we haven't talked about is uh, academia. Right? Is is mm-hmm. companies working with academics? You see it with the Toyota Research Institute working with Stanford and um, and MIT. Um, so that'll continue. And I think one one other maybe is a little bit out there, but on the, along the themes of uh, automotive converging with the home, uh, I think automotive will be smart fitness as well. Right. Um, and fitness companies become uh, de facto auto suppliers, right, where they're providing features in the car to monitor heart rate, stress, temperature, uh, maybe even making workout suggestions based on how much car time you've had, more stretching, low heart rate, easier workout, etc. So we'll see. Wow, I like all of that. Larry Stoley, I think we just have another uh, topic just popped up from Jeff Hoylo. I think we've already got your next show set up. Let's turn to Bill Newman. Bill, predictions, I can give you 30 seconds. Keep it tight, please. Yeah, I mean, um, I think really what you're going to see, again, just to, to pick up on, on my last comments, is this bifurcation and, and auto supply. It's going to be really interesting to figure out how people make their bets. Um, you know, to Jeff's point, we really didn't get into some of the other uh, digital uh, industries that could actually collapse as we go vehicle to everything, driver to home and, and health and 
you know, then the question becomes, um, particularly in Europe, what are people going to be able to do with the technology given different privacy laws? Um, so many times tech gets ahead, and I think what we're going to have to do is kind of sort all of that out moving forward. But it's definitely going to be some exciting times. Very interesting. Thank you very much. Always exciting times with you, Bill Newman. Recipes or not, Larry Stoley, you want to wrap this up? I can give you exactly 30 seconds. Go fast, Larry. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that we're going to resolve in the next five to ten years is this question of where's the Uber brain in a connected vehicle, in an autonomous vehicle? Is it in the vehicle or is it in the driver? I think there are a lot of things we have to resolve around that, and if we finally settle up on the Uber brain, being in the vehicle, then this whole notion of supplier, OEM, manufacturer collaboration becomes significantly more intense and significantly more important. But I think that that will be resolved in the next five to ten years. Thank you very much. Well, we're going to have to just keep doing this show for the next five to ten years to find out how it all turns out, Larry Stoley. I want to thank Rick Varner, Principal for Varco Solutions. Jeff Hoylow, great to have you back at IDC Manufacturing Insights. And my two pals who were car guys in the deep in their skin, Bill Newman and Larry Stoley. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. It's been another very interesting conversation here on the future of cars with Game Changers. We're just about out of time. Shout out to everybody. We have ASUG Auto in ASUG, Michigan. Thank Thank you for tweeting as well as many of our panelists and thank you to Justin at the Business Channel team. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I said that already. I'll be back in an hour with a new edition of Business Network Innovation with Game Changers. Here is my call to action. How perfect. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, right now. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to The Future of Cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.